Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. You may be seated. And so I'm going to start off this morning with a little disclaimer. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 12, verse. And it reads, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Church, I'm not naive this morning to believe that what I'm sharing with you this morning is the full truth. But yet it is the truth as revealed to me by my father and my best attempt to share it with you this morning. So if I err, charge it to my mind and not my heart, because my heart is really to share with you God's divine truth. And so I want to start off with a few shout outs, right? I want to first and foremost thank Pastor Rob for giving me this opportunity to be in front of you this morning. Thank you for blessing our family. And church, thank you for blessing our family. You have truly been a blessing since we've been here. Second, I want to thank my family and friends who've walked this journey with me over the years. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be up here in front of you this morning. So thank you for loving me when I didn't even love myself. And for my family, my brothers, my sisters, my sons, and my wife. Hey girl, hey. I love you and thank you for loving me. And so, I am an African-American preacher, right? I'm going to move around. I may sit down, right? And I say that because there's experience in the African-American church where when a preacher preaches and a congregation hears something that resonates with them, right? Or they say, that's the truth, right? Or it just hits them in a certain way and they just feel the spirit of God. It's okay to say something back to me, right? You can say amen, right? You can say preach, preacher, preach. You can say I hear you. You can say what? All right. So, so it's okay, right? I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be like, shh, quiet, I'm trying to preach, right? We are a communal people, right? I'm preaching to you and you preaching to me. Amen? Right, okay, we'll get it right, all right. So it's okay to say something back to me, all right? And so before we start, let me, let me get myself together here. Get my gloves on. I'm always cold, right? But there's a story behind these gloves, so about a month ago, I go into this establishment, and I see one of my brothers, and I give him a hug, and I dap him up and say, hey, what's going on? And then I see he has these gloves on. It's like 85, 90, right? I'm like, you having a Michael Jackson flashback or what? What's going on? <laughs> he says, no, Todd, um, I've been accused of, you know, my words being too harsh, right? And all I try to do is speak the truth. And I do it in love, and people still say my words are harsh. And so I listen to him, and I encourage him, and I say, just keep speaking the truth. As long as you do it in kindness, it's okay. 
And then as I leave, right, I point to the gloves and say, them gloves, them can preach, right? And so here I am this morning wearing the gloves, right? But now when I think about it, I'm like, should I really even have to wear the gloves in here? You're the body of Christ, right? You long for the truth. Am I correct? It's okay to say amen, right? And so maybe I don't need the gloves. Particularly when I think we're a Nazarene church, right? Who are birthed on the margins, right? Who love those who are marginalized. So I think it's safe for me to take the gloves off, right? But at any moment, as I bring the good news, you're like, oh, that's rubbing me the wrong way. Or that's a little harsh. Just point to the gloves and I'll put them back on. Amen? (laughs) And so let's go to the word of God. I'm not going to prolong the day. There are four, that's funny, I prolonged the day, right? Because most of you know, I could be here for an hour and a half, right? But I looked at the script and it said 28 minutes, right? Which I know that's a God thing, right? Because when I was going through this yesterday, it timed out at 28 minutes, right? It's not God good. It's not God perfect, right? All right, so I got four different translations, right? The first one is from the NIV. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, it's my argument this morning that this is not a prophetic statement from Jesus, but more a proclamation. And I'll talk more about that a little later. Second translation is from the Message Bible. It says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. I'm reminded of this African proverb that says, the teeth are smiling, but is the heart. In a more practical sense, think of it as I'm going to donate some food to a food pantry, right? And they want cereal. Now, do I go upstairs and grab my Honey Nut Cheerios from my refrigerator top? Or do I go in the basement, right? Way in the back, right? And grab the Tasty-Os, right? (laughs) Knowing I'm never going to eat them, don't want them. That's why they're in the basement, right? Now, forgive me if you like Tasty-Os, I'm just a Honey Nut Cheerio kind of person, right? (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is, do you give what you don't want? Or do you give what God inspires you to give, which would be what? Your best. Third translation, which really is not a translation, it's more of a paraphrase from Father Gregory Boyle. He wrote Tattoos on the Heart. He says, you're in the right place if you are single-hearted. His argument is, is that the Beatitudes are not about spirituality, but it's about geography. And I don't disagree, but I'd like to add one more layer onto it. I believe it's also about genealogy, that we are one family. That's why we pray, what, our Father. Because you do know that God doesn't have any grandchildren, right? And the last one is the urban context translation, right? And so as I'm preparing, I I reach out to my brothers and sisters and I say, hey, how would we in an urban setting translate Matthew 5, 8? And so they ran it back to me, right? And so I got to say this fast because if I say it slow, it's not going to sound right. You're going to be like, what is he saying? Is he stuttering? So I'm going to say it fast like I'm saying it for people in the 48505 zip code. Then I'll back up and I'll say it again differently (laughs) for people that may live in the 48503 zip code, okay? All right, so, so here we go. Them that keep it a hundred, going to be all right. Because they're the ones that really see what up with God. And so a slower translation would be for those, right, 
who keep it 100% or keep it real, right, will be all right because they really see what God is up to. So, let us proceed, right, with God's word this morning. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's the person sitting next to you. Okay, let's try this again. Let me back up. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, the preacher's going to preach about the pure in heart. What is the context of what Jesus is sharing with his disciples and others, right? Why the Beatitudes? I was asking myself that question. Or furthermore, why the Sermon on the Mount? If I were to explain it to you as if you were a fourth grader, I would say that I would like to believe that Jesus is taking the training wheels off and saying, now ride as I ride. Jesus was addressing his disciples, was also addressing others in the audience, right? There was a multitude of others that were there as well. The Romans were in rule and occupied Palestine. The Pharisees, a religious and political party in Palestine, had a strong commitment to observing the law and particularly tithing and ritual purity. The Pharisees thought that they could match God's standards by keeping all the outward rules. You don't know anybody like that, right? The Pharisees observed the law carefully as far as appearances went, but their hearts were far from God and they desired the praise of men. The Sermon on the Mount, however, challenged the proud and legalistic religious leaders of that day. The Beatitudes contrasted the superficial faith of the Pharisees with the real faith Christ wants. Although the rabbinic tradition placed an emphasis on clean hands, with the sixth Beatitude, Jesus' emphasis is not on clean hands, but on purity of the heart. What is the fundamental question in the body of Christ today? Most would say, we would ask, are you saved? But I would like to raise the second question this morning. What if the fundamental question was, have you loved your neighbor? So let's watch this short video and then we're going to move forward and see where God leads us this morning. An expert in the law of Moses stood up and asked Jesus a question. Teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus answered, what is written in the scriptures? How do you understand them? The man replied, the scriptures say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. They also say, love your neighbors as much as you love yourself. Jesus said, you have given the right answer. If you do this, you will have eternal life. But the man wanted to show that he knew what he was talking about. So he asked Jesus, Who are my neighbors? Jesus replied, As a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, robbers attacked him. And grabbed everything he had. They beat him up and ran off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. But when he saw the man, he walked by on the other side. 
Later, a temple helper came to the same place. But when he saw the man who'd been beaten up, he also went by on the other side. A man from Samaria then came traveling along that road. When he saw the man, he felt sorry for him and went over to him. He treated his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next morning, he gave the innkeeper two silver coins and said, Please take care of the man. If you spend more than this on him, I will pay you when I return. Then Jesus asked, Which one of these three people was a real neighbor to the man who was beaten up by robbers? The teacher answered, The one who showed pity. Jesus said, Go and do the same. And so after seeing this video, four questions come to my mind. The first one, what is the same? The second one, how far does love extend? The third one, who was pure in heart? And the fourth, what is God up to? The same. What is the same that Jesus is talking about? On a surface level, one could say that the same is to show mercy or compassion for one's neighbor. If we embrace this perspective, then our neighbor, Hebrew term, Rhea, would be a friend, a person who is close, or in a broader sense, anyone or someone as you see yourself. Leviticus 19.18 reads, Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So in this manner and through this lens, many of us would see the half-dead man as our neighbor, as we would hope that if we were left half dead, that someone would show us mercy, that someone would show compassion for us. Now, this is where Jesus flips the script, right? And clarifies who our neighbor is by his statement in Matthew 5, 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and what? Hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who what? Persecute you. Jesus says, yes, now and go do the same. What is the same and the meaning of the parable? In a broader sense, it is, thou shalt love even your enemy as yourself. Amen? Love extended. How far does love extend? Does it extend beyond race, culture, social economic status or religion. I was having dinner with some of my Muslim brothers and sisters and I asked my Muslim brother, if the world built a wall, then what side of the wall would God sit on? Now this was me trying to justify myself by hearing him say that God would be on the side of the wall with the detested. However, he spoke with truth in his answer by saying that God would be on both sides. I did not like his answer, but I recognize truth in it. Fast forward to today, I still don't like his answer. 
but I receive it. However, I also believe that our God is a God that is in the business of eliminating walls of separation and segregation. For as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stated, the opposite of community is segregation. So if I were to answer my own question, I would say that God is on both sides of the wall, tearing the wall down. I believe that the Good Samaritan affirms the rejection of barriers as well by his willingness to extend his love and go to the half-dead man. He would not be bound by the wall of culture as the Samaritans were not viewed favorably by Jewish people during this period. He would not be bound by the wall of fear knowing that the same perpetrators that beat the man near to death could return and assault him. Nor would he be bound by the risk of being implicated in the crime by being in proximity of the half-dead man. And finally, he would not be bound by the wall of religion or ritual purity as commanded in Leviticus, Leviticus 21.11 that says, He must not defile himself by going near a dead body. He may not make himself ceremonial and clean even for his father or mother. The Good Samaritan extended his compassion beyond the walls of cultural and religious separation by loving the half-dead man as himself. But a Samaritan, this is how it reads, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity of him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Father Gregory Boyle says that compassion isn't just about feeling the pain of others. It's about bringing them in towards yourself. If we love what God loves, then in compassion, margins get erased. The Good Samaritan flipped the script of the expert in the law, the robbers, the religious men, the innkeeper, or the Samaritan. First, let's back up a bit. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Psalms 24, 3 and 5 reads, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. On the other hand, what does it mean to be impure at heart? Jesus proclaims this in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, when he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear as people, as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Reminds me of my son when he washes dishes. (laughs) Squeaky clean on the outside, but full of food crusties on the inside. Anybody have that happen in their house as well? Service of God. It is a daily work of the Holy Spirit in your lives that forms to a selfish. What is God? 
In 1964, black students waged what they called an arrest. Fat, a Presbyterian of being called a coon lover. On the other hand, Mr. Rogers on his television show, and no television by asking Officer Clemens in the kiddie pool alongside <laughs> gives a different meaning to the question, who's my neighbor? What is God up to? Plain and simple, he is up to love in this world. John 3, and Acts, but he did not. I ask you, church, what is the opposite of love? You would say hate. But I believe Jesus is saying for the Good Samaritan is apathy. It's inaction. I don't believe that the Beatitude, we are a disciple in the world and a blessing, right? to show ourselves being involved with Dillon Elementary School. By being involved in what you see is what you get from eyes and picture these blowing. I can hear Jesus on the mouth saying, there are some whose hands are whose love transcends doctrine. Blessed are those. I can hear Jesus announcing, there are some who only love those who look like them or that will but I know some people who love even their enemy. And I can hear Jesus proclaiming. I heard some people who call themselves a ch- only within the church. Ah, but I know some people who go to the streets and stand with the marginalized. Blessed are those. You can open your eyes now. Maybe it's just, but I have a hard time understanding how one can lo- love God. How one can love God, right? <laughs> and not love their neighbor. Mahatma Gandhi said once, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. Jesus saying in this beatitude that when your heart, namely your feelings, your mind, and your will are in alignment with God, then you, the blessed, will unapologetically exhibit purity manifested in God's love for all. And so my last translation of Matthew 5, 8 is this. Blessed are those with only one love, for they fellowship with God. One love. One love or in Patois, which is a Jamaican dialect, little more one love is an expression of unity. And the statement one love refers to a universal love and respect for all, regardless of race, socioeconomic status, or any other defining characteristic. Rastafarians, Jamaicans, and brothers in the neighborhood often will greet one another or part by saying, one love. It is a reminder that we are all kin and that as family, we will not allow anything to divide us. We will not harm or wish ill will towards one another and that we will extend love to all in the family. So there's this song, right? that I like to hear and sing in times when I'm discouraged by the divisiveness or the hate I see in the world, right? It reminds me that God's love is enough and that everything will be all right. And so our brothers and sisters are going to sing this song, right? I must have went too quick, right? My brothers and sisters are going to sing this song, right? And then I'm going to come back and give the benediction. All right. 
You can clap your hands. You can sing along with us. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel alright. Why don't you stand and sing with us? One love, one heart. Thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will feel alright. Come on now, let's get together and feel alright. Let's get together to fight this holy Armageddon. One love. So when the Lord comes, there will be no more doom. One heart. Pity on those whose chances grow thinner. There ain't no hiding place from the Father of creation. Sing it with me. One love. What about one heart? One heart. Let's get together and feel alright. As it was in the beginning. So shall it be in the end. Alright, give thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will feel alright. Come on now, let's get together and feel alright. Let the man pass all their dirty remarks. There is a question I'd really love to ask. One song. Now is there a place for the hopeless sinner who has hurt all mankind just to save his own? Believe me, there's only one love. There's only one, one heart. Love. Oh, let's get together and feel alright. Oh, there's only oh, there's only one heart. Together, praise the Lord and feel alright. Come on now, let's get together and feel alright. We gotta give thanks and praise to the Lord, and we will feel alright. Let's get together and feel alright. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for this one family. Lord, remind us that we have one love, and that is for you. But as we go vertical with our love with you, it forces us to go horizontal and love one another. Be with us as we leave this place. Continue to encourage us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.